Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg, presented by Clear. Enroll today at clearme.com slash Peter and try Clear at the busiest airports nationwide. Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to another Ion Travel Podcast. On this edition, I'm up in Oregon to chat with former NFL great Drew Bledsoe. Not about quarterbacking or football, although we can't avoid reminiscing, but on his favorite subject, 
Why? Then I hop across the country for a chat with one of America's best magicians, who also loves to travel, Steve Cohen. Then it's on to a chat with David Nealman, founder and CEO of America's newest airline, Breeze, and why he chose to enter the market in the middle of the pandemic. And just to give this some context, Nealman was also the man who founded JetBlue. And how are we going to pay for all our travels in 2021? Many of us may consider financing the trip. And I'll talk with Brian Barth, the CEO of a new company called Uplift. And we'll run the numbers. First up, and as he likes to say, the man who taught Tom Brady everything he knows, Drew Bledsoe. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. We are in Bend, Oregon. Did I say it right? Oregon? You did say Oregon, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people say Oregon. That's how we know you're from not around here. Okay. So I did okay. You did good. All right. At the Tethro Resort. The man talking right here is is a legend in the NFL. Played 14 seasons. Holds a lot of records that still stand. One of which, uh, I'm still amazed, for the most number of passes, attempts in one game, I think it was 70. 70 times, and I was playing for Bill Parcells, which is even more amazing. for Because he was a running, he was a oh, running he was coach. A run first coach, yeah. But yeah. before we get into that, let me introduce you. Drew Bledsoe. <laughs> right on. It's a pleasure to be here. Of course, you played most of your career with the New England Patriots, number 11, I believe. Number 11. Yeah, and you played memory. next to number 12. Uh, I taught him everything he knows. I told, uh, t- Tommy was my backup. Uh, for those uninitiated, that's Tom Brady. He was my backup quarterback. Uh, came over the house all the time his rookie year when he was uh, when he was on practice squad. And then the next year, uh, I had the misfortune of getting hurt. And then the kid came in and played too well. And I, next thing you know, I couldn't get my damn job back. Uh, and obviously, he went on to accomplish nothing after that. So it was a yeah. bad decision by Belichick. Just, just to show you. <laughs> but then you went to the Buffalo Bills. Went to the Buffalo Bills for three years, which was fantastic. For those who have not been to Buffalo, it's better than you think. And then, uh, and then Dallas. And then uh, Dallas for two years. Got to, uh, got to go into the uh, belly of the beast. I tell people, playing quarterback from the Cowboys is very much like probably pitching for the Yankees. Everybody either loves you or hates you, but there's no ambivalence. And the good thing is, when you think about it, how many quarterbacks get to play 14 seasons? Oh, man, really, really fortunate. And, and, uh, and especially, you know, sitting here today, you know, fairly healthy, which, you know, that also is even more Which American. brings us back to Oregon because you're a local boy. I mean, you, well, you went to school in Washington State, right? Hey, yeah. Uh, Walla Walla yeah. High School. Yep. Then mm-hmm. you, did you, you played in Washington State. Played in Washington course. State, yep, yep. And then, uh, and then, you know, came all the way back home and we chose to live here in Bend, Oregon. You know, my wife's from Portland. And you I chose wa- to live here before you retired. Yeah, exactly. We bought a place here before I retired. It was, we were at our off-season home. But, you know, we love to ski. We love to play golf. We love to be outside. We love sunshine. We love rivers. We love, you know, happy people. Um, we like beer. There's a lot of beer here. Uh, <laughs> and uh, then uh, we were able to uh, actually open a storefront for our winery down here, too, and which is fun. that's what you're doing now. you got yeah. your own vineyard. Yeah, we've got, uh, actually got a bunch of vineyards. We've got uh, six different pieces of vineyard land all up in Walla Walla, which is my hometown. I uh, went back there and started a wine business back in my hometown. And uh, so that's what's keeping me busy. Though? Yeah. What did you know about wine? About z- approximately zero. And actually now... Uh, with the, the 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 benefit of some experience, turns out I knew even less than I thought I knew when I started the business. But you're still in it. 
Still in it, thankfully, uh, been able to hire some very smart, very qualified people to actually, you know, instruct me, and then I get out of their way and let them do their job, and and uh, then, much like playing quarterback, I get to step back and take all the credit for what they do. Now, I'm going to tell you how much I know about one. Okay, ready? <laughs> yeah. I know Oregon is, is sort of equivalent to Pinot Noir. Yep. And, yep. and you're doing that. We are making a little bit of Pinot Noir uh, in the Willamette Valley here in Oregon, but we're primarily making uh, Cabernet Merlot uh, and Bordeaux varietals up in Walla Walla, because that's the, that's the drier side of the, uh, the, the Northwest where those grapes grow better. The, the wine business is 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 uh, is wicked. I mean, it, it's 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 cutthroat. Uh, it is. You know, people ask me. So you left football. You know, how do you replace that competitiveness from football? I'm like, well, I left football and I got into the most competitive industry in the world. Uh, also, uh, the second oldest um, profession in the world is winemaking, and I won't even. Uh, we already that know what the first one. Yeah, is and uh, um, but uh, there are approximately fifty thousand unique bottles of wine made worldwide. Um, unique bottles of wine made worldwide every year. And so you have to try to stand out in that crowd. So it's highly competitive, but it's also different where, you know, for us, especially where we are in Walla Walla, it's beneficial for our business if our neighbor succeeds. Whereas in football, I needed the other team to lose and hopefully lose really bad, yeah. you know, especially if they were the New York Jets. We wanted them to lose really, really bad and never <laughs> win again. Uh, uh, but, the, uh, uh, but in the wine business, we can actually help our neighbors succeed, and that's good for our business. So it's more of a collective competition. Now, given your record for the most number of pass attempts in a single game, I thought I'd give you a name for one of your bottles of wine. Oh, cool. Ready? Yeah. Go Long. Go long. I love it. I love it. We're always looking for new for new uh, for new brands. Not down yeah. and out. Not down. Not down <laughs> no, and out. Not, not down, down and out. Not down and out. You know, Go I actually, long. actually, you'll appreciate. It. I just did a, a, a podcast deal with uh, Charles Woodson. You know, Hall of Fame defensive yeah, back, and, and uh, uh, he has a wine brand called Intercept. Perfect. Which you know, I was well. No, it's not perfect. I was on there with 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 Rick Meyer, another accomplished quarterback that has a winery as well. Like. You know, that, 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 just, that gives me PTSD. I don't want intercept on anything <laughs> that I'm trying to consume. Uh, you know, he said he was trying not to offend anybody. He said, well, you offended two people on this podcast by naming it intercept. That's not what we want as quarterback. Could have been pick six. Yeah, well, he, I think he might have. He might have. I don't know if he returned one on me, but I'm pretty sure he intercepted me. So I told him it's giving me PTSD. It's not what I want to drink. <laughs> so are you telling me there's a trend of of quarterbacks and defensive backs? doing wine there have been a lot of guys over the years that have gotten into it the cool trend now uh, that we are, are beneficiaries of and hopefully somewhat you know in a leadership role in this is that you know in the past guys would do it as a kind of a branding exercise or an endorsement um, there are far more people that are really serious about wine now um, they're trying to make great wine but not you're not just doing this as a hobby you're doing no this. heck no 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 heck no this has been a business from the outset you know we own 400 acres of land we're growing our own fruit we have our own farming company um, our own storefront. So this is not a hobby for us, uh, but for a while it was for some guys and therefore the wine wasn't very good. And so we had to overcome that. But now, thankfully, you know, the guys that I just mentioned, you know, Charles Woodson, uh, Rick Meyer, Dan Marino and Damon Heward are making killer wine up in, uh, up in Washington state. So the people that are getting into it now are actually serious about, about making good juice as opposed to just, you know, slapping their name on a bottle. What about the fruit here in Oregon that makes a difference? So it, it's, it's very specific to very specific regions. So we don't grow any fruit right here where we're sitting. Uh, you know, Bend, uh, which it's cool to know the latitude and longitude now. I did not know that. And we've lived here for a long time now. Um, I'll see if I can memorize that. I'll but, give uh, it to you. Yeah, worry. thanks. Um, but over here, it, because we're high desert, even though it's really hot, like right now it's 95 degrees out, 
but our nights get so cool. We get, you know, frost and we get really cold, you know, late and early in the year. And so that's not it's, good. It's not good. It's not a long enough growing season for grapes right here. But when you get to the other side of the mountains over to the Willamette Valley, it's much more moderated by the Pacific Ocean. Um, and you get, you know, pretty consistently cool weather, um, which is what you want for Pinot Noir. Um, you get up to Walla Walla, you know, we're still technically a desert, uh, but we're lower elevation, we're moderated by the Columbia River and the Blue Mountains, and so then we don't get those really, you know, deep frosts early and late in the season. My thanks to Drew. The next time you're in New York, you might want to go see a Broadway play. After all, they are coming back. But you might also owe it to yourself to be a witness to some of the best magic ever performed. Not on a stage, but right in front of you. I'm talking about Steve Cohen to discuss chamber magic as we emerge from the pandemic. My next guest, in the interest of full disclosure, is a friend. Someone actually I've produced with. Uh, some some amazing show around the world, uh, but every weekend uh, he's performing in New York, a show that when you see it, I honestly tell you, you can't believe it. It's called Chamber Magic, and his name is Steve Cohen. Hello, Steve. Hey, Peter. How are you? I'm okay. Um, I, I have to tell, I mean, I discovered your show by accident. I, I sat there. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It, it, look, this is radio. I can't really visually uh, paint the picture except to say that when I was finished watching the show and everybody else's mouth was dropped wide open, I said, we have to do something else and we have to make it travel related. And we did. We did a, a special for the History Channel called Lost Magic, where we sent you all around the world to do tricks that hadn't been performed in hundreds of years. The Indian rope trick, the bullet catch. I mean, and you did them all. Just amazing. Thank you. And, and to be honest, uh, Peter, a lot of it was thanks to all of your uh, travel connections. We were able to bring the show to India for the Indian rope trick, to London for information about the bullet catch, and all over the United States. It was really your travel expertise that uh, made that show work. And it was well, it's a certainly, really it's great, uh, integral part to that, that it's certainly, show. But it certainly wasn't my magic expertise. <laughs> that was you. That was all you. And now, because the pandemic, we're starting to emerge. Places are opening up in New York City. You're back. You're back on stage again. Where are you performing? Right. So as you know, Peter, I, the show Chamber Magic, I started it at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York uh, 20 years ago. And um, that hotel shut down. So I moved the show to the Lotte New York Palace. Uh, you probably may remember it in the old days as the Helmsley Palace Hotel, right behind the St. Patrick's Cathedral yep. on Madison Avenue. Uh, so anyway, I've been, since the Waldorf Astoria is closed for renovations, I have been at the, the Palace Hotel now for the past four years. And it's really a beautiful place to visit. It's like stepping back in time going to Versailles. It is. But the tricks that you do, I, 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 I have to tell everybody, this is not like 700 people crammed into an auditorium. This is maybe 35 people within 18 feet of you uh, this is this is up close and personal magic that's right and so you know the style is called close-up magic and um you know during the pandemic that's really something that we couldn't possibly have even fathomed right you know being up close to people and trying to you know figure something out that's right you know right in front of your eyes was probably not a very good idea so i actually took a year off i ended up writing two books about magic tricks uh so that was my fix of, of getting some magic out of my system but the show is reopened opening after a long at long last uh this coming friday so i don't know when people are going to hear this but it's on june the 4th is my opening show that's and this, peter yeah. i think yeah it's i think you'll get up. a kick out of it because you know when you whenever you have an inaugural event you always have a ribbon cutting so i'm going to start my first show back after a year and three months my first show back will have a big red ribbon and i'm going to cut it in half 
And then because I'm a magician, I'm going to put the ribbon back together again. Well, here's my biggest question, because it's got to be a pandemic question. Will any of your tricks involve masks? You know, it's it's funny. I'm actually, I made an executive decision to not reference the pandemic during the show. Um, I think that people want to get past that and, you know, want to be entertained and not have to be constantly reminded about about these things. Now, of course, we are uh, requiring at the time for the time being that the guests wear masks during the performance uh, that's one of the hotel's re- requests uh, i think that as the summer goes on and as we get into the fall and as broadway reopens that you know that even won't be an issue any longer so i'm just right. kind of hoping and biding my time what you're saying is the mask will magically disappear i'm really hoping that and I, hopefully i won't be the guy making them disappear that everyone will be able to do that on their own and one of your signature tricks which I've always loved, is the Think-A-Drink, which, by the way, that goes back how many years? Yeah, Think-A-Drink is is also known as the inexhaustible bottle, and it's been around for centuries. I know there was a magician in Paris in the uh, 19th century that was performing this, and there are even older versions as well that go back to ancient uh, times in India. But my version of it is unique, and Peter, I know you saw me do this at Carnegie Hall, which is really a fun show. Um, where I have a teapot, a silver kettle, and it pours any drink that anybody asks for. So if someone person wants to have a ginger ale, that's easy. I pour them a ginger ale and they drink it. The next guy wants to have a gin and tonic and I pour him a gin and tonic. The next guy wants to have a margarita and the next guy wants to have a, uh, you know, a, a lime ricky, you know, or a gin ricky, whatever it is. And they get exactly what they're asking for. And they drink it, and it's and it can be hot, it can be cold, it can be uh, carbonated or not. They could ask for specific uh, vintages of wine or specific uh, beers, anything at all, and it just it drives people crazy. And it comes out of just one vessel. That's right. It's out of one tea kettle, and um, you know, back in the day, it used to be performed by um, other magicians using a bottle, which is why it was called the inexhaustible bottle. But uh, one magician in England, a guy named David Devant in the early 1900s, uh, his wife said to him, you know, we're British. We should be doing this with a tea kettle because that's what people use every day when they have, you know, afternoon tea. So, so the trick has since then been performed using a kettle. And of course, the other trick that you've done that I can never understand ever is the trick with the cards inside two scotch glasses when one card levitates and it's the card that you picked yeah exactly that's the the rising cards is another trick that's gone back centuries that's my whole thing you know it's funny a a guy once wrote a review on TripAdvisor about about chamber magic and he said i've seen these tricks before they're all old and you know i don't usually respond because i don't need to but i wrote a response i said hi steve cohen here yes you're right all the tricks are old because that's the point of the show it's like going to a classical music concert and saying, I've heard these songs before. The Beethoven, these, these Beethoven pieces have been played before. It's yes, of course, but there is the interpretation. So the rising cards is another one that you mentioned where the card levitates in the air, even though it's underneath a glass um, bell jar. So there's no way that anything can be touching it. You can see above, you can see below, and there's no possible way that it could be moving, but the cards levitate into the air. And speaking of an old trick, it's the one that you did from the show that I produced, the Indian rope trick. That's right. So, so um, when when uh, we went to India, uh, I ended up going to a, a a slum where the street performers live, a place called Kathputli, and uh, it's outside of New Delhi by about an hour. And so, you know, because of the intense heat uh, in India, we left at at uh, probably about two or three in the morning. 
from the hotel to go out to this uh, this small village. And um, the villagers had already set up. They were already ready because we wanted to try to beat the sun and the heat. Anyway, everyone gathered around. There was an Indian magician um, named Ishamuddin. And Ishimuddin had a basket where he threw this giant rope inside of, and he started playing a little bit of a, a drum. And suddenly the rope started levitating up into the air, Peter, about 20 feet, 20, almost 30 feet up into the air, levitated straight up. And his little son then climbed up to the top of the rope. <laughs> okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. My thanks to Steve. U.S. airlines have announced more than 170 new domestic routes across America. And then, in the midst of all of this, there's an entirely new airline. Breeze entering the market, and it's run by a man who seems to have the Midas touch with new carriers. After all, he founded JetBlue, among others. And now, he's back, David Nealman. It's an amazing story, one that I was uh, a witness to. It's been going on for 28 years. Uh, my next guest is sort of has the Midas touch when it comes to airlines, especially new airlines. Morris Air, JetBlue, WestJet, Azul, and now his fifth airline, Breeze, uh, coming at a time in the midst of a pandemic, at a time when uh, airlines up until recently have been empty. Uh, however, he always usually has a, uh, I won't say always usually, he always has a pretty good idea of what's going to work and why. And his name is David Nealman. David, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Peter. Thanks for having me. So let's talk about Breeze because you're starting uh, imminently. Uh, with with flights all around the country, but especially on the on the East Coast to start in the Southeast, uh, what's amazing to me is that you know most of the big airlines always operated with a hub and spoke philosophy that you're feeding through a hub and then connecting to, to other points. That's not your philosophy on this airline. And I remember going back to the days sitting with you on the very first day that JetBlue flew on that plane, um, and your philosophy was, let's find really underserved airports in major areas that we can fly to and do it at a better at a better price and more efficiently. People didn't realize how underserved or how underutilized JFK was for domestic flights. People didn't realize about the slots that you found in Long Beach Airport in California. And the next thing you know, JetBlue is not only up and running, you were off and running very well. Uh, and then, of course, the rest is history. What's the philosophy of Breeze? Yeah, thanks, Peter, again, for having me on. You know, the philosophy of Breeze is basically, like you said, underserved markets, but mainly we are focusing on trip costs this time. So we're, we're trying to, we're finding markets that have no nonstop service. So 95% of all of our routes have no nonstop service. So, you know, kind of our mantra is we'll get you there twice as fast um, for half the price. So, for example, um, I was, I was in, Charleston the other day and one of our routes is Charleston to New Orleans and someone came up to me and she had like almost tears in her eyes and she said I go visit my 78 year old mother in New Orleans and my only two options are connecting through Atlanta and paying you know a pretty hefty price or driving 14 hours 
those are my two options. And now with this, you're totally going to change my life. So, you know, it's, it's finding these markets like, like Charleston to New Orleans or, and I was in Huntsville and, um, you know, my wife's from Huntsville. And so I was visiting there when visited the airport and realized it was a 10 and a half hour drive to, to Tampa and, and nobody served it. So, you know, we're launching Huntsville with Tampa, New Orleans and Charleston. It's a vibrant city. There's so much going on there, but there was no way to get to those cities uh, without going with us. So, you know, we're starting with the Embraer uh, 190 and 195, and it's just a real sweet spot, you know, 110 to 122 seats where we can keep our trip costs low and, and fly in these routes that heretofore haven't had nonstop service. Now, I remember Allegiant, which was flying between underserved markets and nonstop service. Yes, please pay your parking. <laughs> you sound like you're at an airport. I am. <laughs> headed down for the first flight tomorrow to Tampa. Well, here's my question. You know, when I go back to the to the model of Allegiant, they were flying, let's say, between, I'll just come throw this out, like Myrtle Beach and Grand Rapids, but they're only flying it once a week. So what's your frequency going to be like? Well, it's going to be not, you know, because we, our, our plane has a lower trip cost and because we have only 110 seats on our airplane, uh, we should be able to do more frequency than what they're doing. But... Um, it's going to be two, four, six flights a week. So if you have any flexibility in your schedule, you can make that work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, we're flying to leisure destinations. And, and those are the days that people fly anyways. So, uh, you know, um, we're, we're basically going, you know, many times it was frustrating at JetBlue because we'd make money Thursday, Friday, Sunday, Monday, and we'd give it all back on Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're just not going to fly on Tuesday and Wednesday because people don't usually fly on those days when they're going for leisure. And so we fly on the peak days of the week and, and you know, the peak times of the year. It makes it a lot easier. Exactly. And and the thing is, right now, I mean, you're timing in a way. Not, not, not that you planned it this way, David, but your timing right now is almost perfect because the market that's coming back in the wake of the pandemic is the leisure market. Exactly right. I mean, we, we nobody knows when business traffic's coming back. I think it'll come back. I don't know, you know, if it will ever you know, I don't know ever, but, you know, it'll take a long time to come back to it, to where it was before. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, people are just, there's so much pent up demand. People are just wanting to get away. They're wanting to, um, you know, <laughs> travel and see things and, and go to live concerts and go to sporting events and all those things that we love to do. And yet the interesting thing about the history of the low fare carriers is that, uh, and by the way, that was that later embraced by, you know, the legacy carriers is, you know, we were living in the home of the brave in the land of the fee, right? You, you were paying for everything. Uh, what's been your philosophy as you introduce Breeze as, as in terms of a fee-based airline or a fare-based airline? Well, we're, we're going to do some fees. I mean, everybody charged for bags because there's a, there's a cost with that. So we're going to charge for bags. Um, but, you know, we're not going to change. For example, we're not charging for change fees so uh, or cancellation fees. You get your credit. So... You know, say you book a $39 ticket and then you say, oh, I want to go come back on, on Sunday instead and it's $59 or then you say, give us 20 bucks. We're not going to charge you a change fee plus the change in fare. We're just going to charge you the change in fare. So whatever the change in fare is, if you if you book 59 and the fare is 39, they'll give you 20 bucks credit you can use on your next flight. And how long does that last? Because one of the biggest problems in the pandemic, of course, were the vouchers that people got that had expiration dates. Yeah, I um, yeah, I think we're going to go a year or two. I don't, I'm not sure. I'll have, I'll check on that. But we're certainly going to be flexible. We, we want you to have credit. We want you to come back. We don't want to piss you off. We want to make you love us. 
What are the lessons other than not flying Tuesdays and Wednesdays that you learned from JetBlue that you're also applying here to Breeze? Well, you know, it was really, Peter, what I learned, you know, in Brazil. I mean, that that airline that we created, you know, Azul, we have, um, we have, uh, you know, pre-pandemic and we're getting back there, almost a thousand flights a day. We serve 118 cities and, and we do it because, and our nearest competitor has 40 cities. But we were able to do it because we had lower trip costs than everybody else. So trip costs are really king. And that's what I learned, you know, flying these Embraers. And we've got them for a really good price. And we don't have to have, fly them 12 hours a day. So I, so I learned that, 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 that you could, you know, if you had a 25% lower trip cost, you not only could fly between cities that don't have service, but you could do it more often. And so that... That was a big lesson and to fly this kind of medium-sized airplane that's not a regional jet and not a 189-seater, but it's you know something right in the middle. Of course, the lesson that I learned from you in JetBlue is how you acquired the jets in the first place and how you financed them, which, which gave you a, a pretty good head start to get back on your feet when you started. Uh, what did you do here in terms of acquiring these jets that made it you know economically feasible? Well, there's two. There, we have two jets. We have... We have the um, the 195s, and, and some of those are coming from Azul. They're you know great airplanes. They're they're new, you know six or eight years old. And so we got those at kind of post pandemic pricing, which is really great. And then uh, we got the 220, the A220s coming in October, and and that airplane we got a really good price on. Got them financed, and you know it's more of the the JetBlue model with those airplanes. But those airplanes will allow us to go, you know, long distances, six, seven hour trips on, on really long, thin routes. And are you expecting to do like long, thin transcon routes between Bangor, Maine and, and Portland, Oregon? Yeah, there's there's a huge. Yeah. I mean, you know, Portland, Maine to Portland, Oregon or something. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a lot of opportunities in that in that regard. All right. Now, I got to be the, you know, the devil's advocate question here. What is your biggest challenge right now? I think the biggest challenge is just, you know, getting up and going and, and, uh, you know, we did the certification and that was going. I mean, I, we've been selling now for five days. Our technology is working really great. So, um, you know, I guess if, if fuel prices spike again, but then the 220 does better with high fuel prices than the Embraer's and that's why we fly them shorter distances. Um, you know, I, I think it's just, operationally, you know, just making sure that everybody's there, the planes are running on time and, and our, our people are trained and happy. You know, when you get going, everyone's kind of new in their job. So you have to make sure that happens. Of course. And of course, I know why you're doing Huntsville, because otherwise your wife would never talk to you again. But, but, but again, what would be your most interesting and surprising route pairing? Uh you know, there's there's so many. We have 39 different routes that we'll be flying by July. So, um, uh, you know, I would say, you know, anything. I I loved. I'd never been to Charleston. I just I just went there, and I'm just like, holy, holy, what an amazing place. You know, it, it's uh, so. I think I think Charleston. Um, you know, to anywhere. <laughs> oh, I will leave it at that. My thanks to David. Now, there's no doubt that there's a pent up demand to travel. But how are you going to pay for it? Can you really afford that trip? The answer, says my next guest, is yes. He's come up with a new business model for financing your trips. It's called Uplift. I talk with Brian Barr. 
if you take a look at the, the numbers, 37 million Amer- Americans were traveling, 3 million of them by air. The airports were crowded. Those of you who are still delusional about the middle seat, you are remaining delusional because that seat has been filled, probably by you. Um, and off we go. Uh, and off we go into the wild blue yonder as more and more countries are opening up, as we're rediscovering our own country. And now comes the, the real question, all right, who's going to pay for it? Well, if you look at the numbers, uh, the domestic bookings in this country right now, according to the B of A, are running about 4% above what they were in 2019. That'll give you an idea of pent-up demand. Overseas, in some countries, it's as much as 12% above 2019 levels. So back to you know, the airfares themselves, well, at least in the domestic markets, they're rising between 7 and 11% a week. Did you hear me? And that's compounded. So many of you may remember, eight weeks ago, I told you about flying from LA to New York for $90 on American. That flight today is 600 So let's do the math. I failed it in high school, but I can do basic adding and subtracting. And right now, we're not doing a lot of subtracting. We're doing a lot of adding. So what are the business models that are being used now for paying for your travel? Well, traditionally, most of us will pay with a credit card. Some of us will still pay with cash or a debit card, but most of us are doing it online. We're using a credit card, but that's a big chunk of money. Are there different models that we can follow? Well, there's a new one out there called Uplift. And uh, the concept isn't new, but it is new for, for travel. The concept is it goes back to Gosh, when I got my first car, right, I financed it. Um, And the dealer, I I was on approved credit. The dealer approved it, and I paid X number of dollars a month, as many of you do now, either to finance a car or to lease a car. Uh, Let's go back even further before then. The layaway plan. Uh, you know, somebody was buying a new appliance or, 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 or even some new clothing. That's how department stores did their business in so many ways. Well, now it's now applying to travel. And joining me now, the founder and CEO of this new company called Uplift, Brian Barth. Hey, Brian. Hey, Peter. Great to be with you. So you heard my, you know, my introduction about the, the financing model itself. The other day I was online looking to make a reservation on Southwest Airlines. And when it came time to payment... There was your logo, and I had an opportunity. Instead of paying the full $473, I could finance it. I could pay for it on, on a small monthly payment. And that's really what the concept of Uplift is. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, we just launched. We have more than 200 different travel providers offering Uplift now. Southwest just became available last month, and we're already seeing lots and lots of people choose Uplift when they check out. And and I think you hit the nail on the head, Peter, with the prices are going up so much now. People feel like it's safe to get back and travel and uh, the prices are going up. And so it really helps, even if you can't pay for the whole trip up front right now, to go ahead and book it while the prices are low and then you have time to pay for it. You can pay for it for up to a year or even more. And I think that's what people need to do if they want to get back out and travel. Well, let's go back into you know the cost of travel, of course, domestically is, is soaring. And of course, there's the opportunity of paying by the month. I go back to the days, you know, if you bought a car or you leased a car, the dealer would then essentially sell that contract to a financing corporation, and then they would take on the responsibility. They'd pay the dealer in full, and then the finance corporation took the risk of whether or not I was going to make my monthly payments or not. Is that really the model with Uplift? Yeah, it really is, except we're really kind of a new breed of this modern fintech. I think people are seeing buy now, pay later all over the place. 
And we wanted to have that same sort of great experience across all the different travel companies. So for example, with Uplift, we make it super easy. It's seamless. It's part of the checkout, but we also are incredibly consumer friendly. So for example, we'll never charge a late fee. Quite frankly, there's never any other sort of hidden or sneaky fee tucked in there. We work with these top brands that care a lot about their brands. They care about helping people have a great travel uh, experience and a create great memories and have an amazing trip. And we want to be part of that. So we just create the most efficient, seamless, awesome experience that lets them go ahead and book the trip, but still have the time they need to pay for it. And like you mentioned too, and a lot of people still want to use their debit card, for example, these days, if you want to use your debit card, this is a great way to do it because you have the time you need to pay for it, but you can still use your favorite way to pay. I'm assuming this is going to be beneficial for those people who just want to do impulse travel. Oh, it's huge because sometimes, especially if you need to get on a plane, let's suppose you have, you need somebody to visit or that you didn't make plans and you do need to pay for a more expensive trip, you know, it can be a lot of money. And to take the stress out of having to pay that all up front or to tie up your credit limit, it's huge for a lot of people. And the cost to do it is so low, or quite frankly, it's even free with some travel providers that it's kind of a no brainer to just spread the payments out and give yourself a little more flexibility, let yourself take a little bit better trip. So there's a lot of reasons why people are doing it, why it's becoming so popular. What's the actual difference between essentially a credit card and Uplift? Well, the big thing is that a credit card is a revolving credit instrument. So you kind of put the you know all of your charges on that and you never quite know exactly when you're gonna pay it off. And with Uplift, when you make a purchase, you are choosing a certain number of payments that you want to get the trip paid off. And it might be three, six, 12, 18, 24, but it's known, it's fixed and it stays at that. And so you, it doesn't sort of stick with you forever. You get it paid off. You can then go off and next year, take it, take your next trip. And we really try to keep it uh, very unlike a credit card where there's no fees, there's no late fees if you miss something, uh, there's no compounding interest where you pay interest on the interest balance. Uh, so we want to keep it super friendly because really at our heart, we actually all come from the travel industry. We want to help people take good trips and create great memories and have awesome experiences. Well, let me ask the devil's advocate question that comes into interest. We know that some credit card interest is as high as 27%. Where, do yours, where does your interest come in? Well, the great thing is that it's often uh, as low as zero. So for example, you can go on Carnival Cruise Lines right now and you can book pretty much any cruise they have, be a short cruise, a long cruise, a cruise that's leaving soon, a cruise that's leaving a long time into the future, and it's all 0%. So it's kind of a no-brainer. Not all travel providers want to essentially pay the interest on behalf of the consumer. And so they do have to pay it themselves. The thing that we're really proud of is that pretty much across the board, we charge less interest than you would ever pay on your credit card. And we keep it a lot simpler. Like we don't have all the late fees. We, you know exactly how much you're going to pay every month and you're on a fixed schedule. I'm assuming, though, it's also a good opportunity for the travel provider, you mentioned Carnival, to, to generate incremental revenue they otherwise wouldn't get. Oh, absolutely. And I'll give you an even better example of that. Like, So, for example, Allegiant, which is obviously a very popular way to, well, they have a lot of destinations, but for example, Vegas is very popular right now. 
And if you spend over $800 with Allegiant, which generally means you've added your hotel or something to your booking, you get 0% on the whole thing. So it's kind of a really cool travel trick, which is that not only do you get all of your uh, plane tickets, but if you add your hotel to it, you get the whole thing at 0%. So it's okay, so I've got to ask one more question. Here's yeah. my other question. Okay, you don't know me. I go online. I'm going to book a trip on X, X airline to go to Y destination and stay at Z hotel. And it's an expensive trip. How do you know that I'm even credit worthy? Yeah, well, what we do is we look up your data in the background. It's called a soft credit pull. And so it doesn't impact your credit score at all, but we're able to look up your data and your payment history. And some of our travel providers actually share some of their information with us too, where they let us know that this is a reliable, loyal customer that they've seen a bunch of times. And what we have found is that taking, giving most people a chance Actually, I think that really people do, uh, they do a great job of paying back their trips. And we actually approve a lot more people than you might imagine. My thanks to Brian, to David Nealman, to the amazing Steve Cohen, and to Drew Bledsoe. And my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel Podcast. And for more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, just log on to petergreenberg.com. Special thanks to our sponsors at Clear. Enroll in Clear at clearme.com slash Peter and zip through busy airports nationwide. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.